This is Gospel on the Ground, a podcast from Trinity Bible Church in Phoenix, Arizona. It's a collection of testimonies of Trinity members for Trinity members. Today's guest is George Mann. George Mann, thank you so much for coming in and spending some time with us this morning. As you know, uh, with this podcast, what we're doing is sort of trying to record testimonies of members of Trinity for other members of Trinity to listen to and to to enjoy. And I thought when we were considering who we should have come in, uh, it made a lot of sense to hear from you as sort of the resident historian, one of the uh, longest standing members of Trinity, having served here for so long in various different offices and uh, even currently as an elder. So I'm excited to hear from you, just to hear your testimony and for others to hear from you as well. So thanks for coming in. You're welcome, Mal. Glad to sit down with you. So let's let's start at the beginning, George. How did you become a Christian? My family moved to Tucson uh, when I was going into third grade. We wound up attending a small Baptist church uh, that was a church plant, a mission church, as they called it then, uh, out of First Baptist Tucson. Uh, in that, uh, the summer after third grade or after fourth, I'm not quite sure which, at vacation Bible school, they gathered in all of the kids from all of the vacation Bible schools and a half a dozen mission churches to the big church downtown and had a closing service that included the gospel and an invitation. And at that point, I guess God moved me to go down the aisle and, and say, I want Christ as my Savior. Hmm. And um, a few weeks later, not, not too long later, after I, I don't remember the whole process, uh, we were baptized. Mm-hmm. So that's the story of my start yeah. with Christ. Were, you, were your parents Christians? Yes. Okay. So they, they were excited about getting you in there, and oh yeah, that was just the, the spiritual temperature of your home. In that, uh, in that church at that time, they both had renewed their commitment to Christ, and uh, ultimately Dad became a deacon, and Mom became secretary of the Sunday school, and so oh. we were involved in church yeah. at, at all levels. Yeah. So what happens after that? You... Usually in folks' testimonies, there's uh, interesting things that happen around the teenage years. Well, by the teenage years, we were back in Tucson. We tried living away, but my health didn't permit going back to Illinois. We tried that. Mm. Um, I went to high school and to college there. In I remember in high school, um, well, I guess junior high, went to went to a camp in Prescott. It's still there, Prescott Pines Baptist yeah. Camp. <clears throat> uh, and that was a, camps are a great experience for kids, mm-hmm. if they're well done. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that encouraged me and challenged me. I know in high school I read all the way through the Bible. Wow. As, it, it took all the whole, all of high school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, in King James Version. Okay. Uh, in college I became involved with uh, InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. Mm which was a great thing, uh, to meet Christians from slightly different backgrounds, and, but to study the Word with, uh, in groups with them. When did you meet uh, Ruth? I met Ruth uh, in the same church that we had been going to in, uh, since I was in third grade, although it was in a different building then. We had built a new building. In fact, I helped my dad pull in the wiring on that building. He was an electrician. Hmm. So how old were you when you guys met? I was about 20. Okay. I was I think I was a 
I don't remember whether I was a senior in college or I was back there for grad school. Okay. But I came back from an internship in California, summer job, <clears throat> and sh her family had moved to Tucson when she was in the middle of high school. And I saw this nice girl in the choir, and eventually, over a period of time, got to know her, and uh, we, we married in 1960, when I w <clears throat> was just finishing a graduate school program, and she had graduated high school. So over 60 years now. 62 this past March. That's amazing. Congratulations. <laughs> so, Thank you. Uh, how many kids did you guys have? Two daughters. Okay. How many grandkids? Uh, six. When did you move up to Phoenix? 1961. Okay. Only a year after we were married, I was offered a job here in the computer uh, business. And uh, I, I said, hey... I don't want to work for the university anymore. If somebody's going to give me a big chunk of money more, mm -hmm. we moved to Phoenix. Yeah. And we've been in Phoenix since 1961, summer. What did you go to grad school for? Electrical engineering. Okay. And then you came up here to work in the industry. Right. Okay. Actually, I didn't finish that master's program. Oh. Um, for several reasons. Um, I wasn't interested that much in circuit design and control systems anymore, and that had been the focus. Yeah. But later, in, in about 1969 or 70, after I was w managing a computer center here, I went to ASU and did go through a program terminating in 1973. Okay. By then, there were more computer-oriented stuff. It was still pre-computer science, <clears throat> but uh, they had a program in the electrical engineering department called Digital System Software. Well, that was what I was doing. Punch cards and stuff like that? At that time, you better believe it. <laughs> Punch cards were the only way you talked to computers. Right. But I worked uh, for 11 years for UNIVAC in a computer center here in Phoenix. And when they chose to shut that operation down, I was managing it. Um, I got, went to work for Honeywell. Okay. Stayed there for another 33 years. Wow. It kept changing its name and ownership. But, I mean, the computer division was spun off. And Yeah. How long have you been retired now? Since 2005. Okay. So a little over, where are we, 22, 17 years? Yeah. So you moved up to Phoenix, 61, and uh, how did you decide where to go to church? Uh, that was easy. <clears throat> the son of the pastor that was then uh, at Coronado Baptist in uh, Tucson was starting a small church here. Mm-hmm. I think we were still meeting in a school, so we went there. Okay. And we were in that small church for a, num a few years, and then uh, moved over to another Baptist church, and uh, eventually came to Trinity in about 19, late 69 or early 1970. Hmm. Must have been 69. And what, did, uh, what was your experience like in, at Trinity in, in the 60s? Oh, wonderful. That was, uh, we were really getting good teaching. Well, we'd always had Bible teaching from the pastors, but, yeah. but uh, our, the founding pastor was a young man. Uh, I don't think you ever met Joel. I've met him once briefly. Did you? Yeah. He was like in his 20s when... He was 29. Yeah, when this started. Right. He yeah. had been an intern at uh, Bethany Bible, and Bethany was big on planting churches. Mm -hmm. So that's how we came to Trinity that long ago, and... Uh, 
God kept us here. It's been a great, uh, a great run. Yeah. What other services uh, capacities have you served Trinity in? Uh, right now, you're on the elder board. I've been on the elder board most of the time since about 1971 or 72. Wow. I was recruited uh, in an emergency situation to re- to become the church treasurer. Mm. In '71 or thereabouts. Okay. And then, after I'd been treasurer for a while for them, they decided maybe I could be an elder. I don't know. Yeah. And you still, up until fairly recently, have been off and on. No, I was not treasurer continuously. Uh, Kirk Thomas did that for a while. Okay. Um, Harry, uh, I think Harry Fair did that. No, Harry definitely had been treasurer for a stint. Okay. And I, I don't remember the dates when I came and go. But I also served as um, chairman of the board mm. on three different uh, terms sp- spread out across the years. And I always said I served uh, as chairman of three different churches because they were at different places in in size and a new pastor maybe. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I one of the things that I love about uh, your story in particular is it, it resonates with sort of the way that I, my experience, my parents uh, still go to the same church that they've always gone to, that my grandma went to, uh, that I was baptized in. My dad's still a deacon there. So I, I love the idea of being able to set deep roots and to be able to watch. Uh, it's difficult in its own challenging way to see so many come and go. But I think there's a unique sort of blessing in being able to be in a particular place. And to see how God sustains, mm. provides for a church that's honoring him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, in any, any given moment, it could look like, you know, what's going to happen next? But it's it's worked out. Right. Yeah. So you uh, baptized fairly young in life. What sort of fruit of repentance, uh, evidence of your conversion did you see uh, since then? Um. Not sure exactly what you mean by what we, what qualifies as fruit. Sometimes we treat fruit as soul saved through witnessing and evangelism. Oh, sure. But I think it's broader. Growth than and that. holiness. Yeah, yeah, it's broader than that. Yeah. Um, well, I I had a desire to read the Bible and yeah. engage in study with others. Mm-hmm. That that came fairly uh, early, and because I was involved with the youth group, and um, of course I wound up being a Sunday school teacher for a boys' class at one point. Mm. But that was before Trinity. Um, I don't remember what I did here. I remember teaching an adult class uh, more on more than one occasion here at Trinity. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so uh, service is some evidence of yeah of God's uh, presence in your life. Uh, also, um, I chose to read the Bible through. I think I mentioned that at uh, in high school and again in college, different mm-hmm. translations. And I've done that a few more times. I'm in the middle of a read through the Bible in the ESV okay. since we switched to the ESV a few years ago. Right. And you know, and you have this program on the um, in Logos mm. that coaches you through your, what, what you read today and what you read the next day to get you through in a year. Well, I'm in my fourth year, but it'll happen. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No doubt. We uh, at various times hosted. Uh, Small groups in our home, mm. um, not for the last. Well, then we uh, we were both involved in Stephen Ministry, mm-hmm. like counseling ministry. Yep, it's a, past- a lay pastoral care mm. program mm-hmm. that uh, 
churches can tailor to their own doctrinal state. Mm. But uh, that was very helpful in helping me understand uh, how to listen mm. to people. Because the intent was to link uh, a Stephen minister with someone who was going through a rough patch in life mm-hmm. and be a, a prayer partner, a, a listening ear, mm-hmm. um, uh, necessary help, get them help. Right. And uh, just the whole training process and then the supervision process in that ministry is uh, outstanding. We had a, that program in Trinity for over 20 years. Mm. Uh, Ruth was in it before me, and after she'd been in it a few years, she challenged me to become a part of it. She works professionally in counseling, is that right? Later, yes. Later. It was later. after that. But it was being in Stephen ministry that oh, okay. convic- convinced her or led her to saying, um, I want to do this more with more training mm. and to go back to school. She had not finished college mm. because we moved here when she was in the middle of, of college. Uh, so she went back in her 50s, finished a uh, bachelor's in psychology, mm. and then went on to a program that was a joint program of Ottawa University and uh, Phoenix Seminary. Oh, wow. She came out with a master's in professional counseling from Ottawa and a diploma in Christian counseling from Phoenix Seminary. That's amazing. Yeah, there's there's something about... Uh the, the skill of listening well and sort of drawing information out of people, letting them verbally process their hearts, their thoughts, their emotions. It's also a gift that, that I don't have, but I mm. always learn some stuff. Yeah. Because people, she's always found ever since she was, well, I don't know whether it was all the way back, but uh, Ruth has always found that people uh, will talk to her. Mm-hmm. Um, it's amazing to watch or hear about sometimes. Yeah. With confidentiality, of course. Sure. She said she'll she'll talk to a person, and they'll just start opening up and spill their guts. Yeah. So I think that's a gift, not just a training. Yeah. No. Absolutely. There are, and I've you know having spoken with Ruth, having had dinner, um, she she does ask good questions, good sort of probing questions. But yeah, there is there is something about someone's uh, temperament that just, some some people seem to invite it. They just feel like a warm, <laughs> safe place to be able to talk. Yeah, yeah. You know? and they're they're important. So after about five years, <clears throat> she being in Stephen Ministry, I joined up. Okay. And subsequently, we both went to the leadership training class, uh, which is held in the summers at a college somewhere. We spent two weeks in San Diego. Uh, long days in leadership training for mm. Stephen Ministry to be mm. able to run the program in a in a local church. Yeah, and we did that. We were on the leadership group for Trinity's Stephen Ministry for a, a number of years. Yeah, and then she went professional. Yeah, dropped out of that. Well, one one thing that I have I have conversations with folks from time to time who, especially who are uh, early adult aged who have sort of maybe like maybe even like a secondary experience of a new vitality that comes to their faith. And sometimes they think I, I need to go into ministry full time. Like this needs to become my life's calling. Um, what I love about your story and your testimony and your life is that you, you have done that and you've carried on a regular 
secular, quote unquote, right, career of, of working in the, the workforce and simultaneously loving Christ, loving his church and serving. Well, and serving in leadership for most of the time yeah, here. Right. So I, I, I just, I, I love that. And I, we need more um, to draw more attention, I think, to, to those models of people who, who have that impulse of wanting to love Jesus and, and serve and to not only think that the only way to do that is like full-time vocational ministry. Um, That's right. That there are plenty of ways to, to faithfully serve uh, and, uh, and also have a you know, full-time vocation outside of church. I can add one item to the question about fruit in my life. Yeah. I asked Ruth to review what I was doing here preparing yeah. last night. And she said, well, at least in the last few years, you've become kinder. Mm. And able to apologize. Wow. There's hope for us all. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It's nice to hear from Ruth, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so, George, what sort of uh, challenges have you seen in your, your Christian walk in your life? I think marriage is always a challenge. Mm. And sometimes it can be more of a challenge than others, depending on the background of the two uh, in the marriage. Mm. Uh, in our case... Um, Ruth had some history that was uh, traumatic, mm. and uh, that caused problems. and And I had been brought up in a in a basically a Germanic home, mm. <laughs> in some ways. My mom, my mom was Pennsylvania Dutch. Okay, and maybe explain for the listeners what you mean by Germanic. <laughs> Pennsylvania Dutch. Okay, sure. Yeah, they, they were they were out of Switzerland, German speaking Switzerland. Does uh, is there anything characteristic about the Pennsylvania Dutch? Well, I don't know about the Pennsylvania Dutch as a whole, and I sure. think this is true. I like some of their food. Um, my grandma actually came out of, moved to Illinois when she was a teenager from Lancaster County. Okay, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but they don't do much with feelings. Got it, yeah. Uh, in my upbringing... I never even learned the words for lots of feelings. Mm, mm. I found this out only when I, well, Ruth had, Ruth being, being a woman and from a different culture was uh, into feelings. Sure. And one of her biggest frustrations in our marriage for many, many years, and probably the reason she pushed me into Stephen ministry, was that I didn't do feelings well. Mm. I didn't understand, I was uncomfortable listening to hers. Mm. And I didn't have any way to express mine. Yeah. So that was a, a benefit from being trained to listen for feelings, to uh, accept feelings as for what they were. Yeah. Uh, which isn't necessarily one's whole life, but it's feelings are real. Absolutely. Yeah. No, that's I think an unfortunately overlooked portion of Christian discipline and discipleship is engaging with emotions, especially because I mean we. You're an engineer by trade, and you come from a household who didn't necessarily do emotions or, or train you in how to express or understand them. And we, we at Trinity care about doctrine. like We want things rightly ordered according to the word. Truth matters. And uh, that is hopefully never to say that emotions, therefore, uh, are not necessary or always evil. Like we don't. In our worship services, they're not like emotional pep rallies, but that's not to say that they shouldn't be passionate. Right. right. Emotions are so important and central to the life of, of the human, 
as God has created us intentionally, and to 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 not have the the capacity to be able to understand and express them really does put it you at a, at a disadvantage. I, I and if you look at scriptures, there are, there are emotions expressed. Absolutely, yeah. So Psalms, especially every emotion you can think of. Yeah. Yep. And some of the promises are that we will have we will be uh, before God with great joy. Yes. One of the benedictions you did Jude recently. Twenty-four. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's the one. Mm-hmm. I've been memorizing that. Nice. That's a great one. It is. <clears throat> so that's um, that's that's the story of my marriage and uh, interesting, uh, kind of funny. In recent decades, people who we just met would say, "How long have you been married?" And we would say, you know, 55 years or recently 60 years. And they would say, wow, how did you stay married to the same woman that long? <laughs> you know, they were not Christians. Sure. And my answer has always been only by the grace of God. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, part of my employment wound up in the last 15 years or so doing, well, earlier it was less travel. But in the last 15 years, I was having to travel a uh, couple times a year, three times a year, and most of it was to Europe. Mm. And the cultures there in old Europe have are really post-Christian. Yeah. So uh, in, there are temptations mm-hmm. um, that come with travel anywhere, and and European TV. Mm. Don't watch ca- European cable late at night. Fair enough. Fair warning. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, fortunately, God prevented me from making any really stupid mistakes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but they're out there. Yeah. You know, you get in those situations where you're away from home, and and the and uh, somebody puts temptation in front of you. Mm-hmm. You have to say, walk away, mm. flee. I've been I've been approached by a streetwalker in Paris mm. that w- didn't look like one. She was very conservatively dressed, very uh, European. She, I don't know. Didn't sound French. Mm. Oh, would you like to come up to my apartment? Mm. Uh, no, thank you. Yeah, that's the right answer. <laughs> yeah. So the Lord has kept you fast from from sin. Um, Not all sin, but <laughs> no, but the sort of sin that would be the sort of destructive sin that right. could cause right. uh, a marriage not to last sixty years. Right, <laughs> sixty plus. Um, is there anything that you would like to to say? To folks, if you had an opportunity, um, anything you'd want to be able to say to anybody who might be listening, uh, what has the Lord been teaching you recently, perhaps? Okay, um, he has. Mm-hmm. I have a friend who you know uh, who used to say, God has really helped me. I've only got three sins to worry about now. <laughs> then he would quote the scripture about the, what is in the world is the, uh, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and pride of life. Mm-hmm. And those were his three sins. And then you realize <laughs> those are great big umbrellas. Right. Uh, and the one that has, uh, God has pointed some things out to me about is pride of life. Mm. The pride of life um, surfaces or reveals itself in some surprising ways. Mm. And it's probably my... Has, in recent decades, I have been my biggest source of sinful temptation, sinful attitudes, mm. more attitudes than, than actions. Well, there's actions too. Sure. Surprising ways. Um, I see impatience mm. as an evidence of pride. 
impatience, uh, anger at being interrupted in what I'm doing, because that's saying that I'm more important than you are. Right. I'm more important, and I think that's the root of a lot of the road rage stuff. Mm, yeah. Uh, you got in my way. I'm more important than you, or my business is more important than yours. Mm-hmm. So pride of life is uh, can be very uh, subtle in the way it erupts in your life. Yeah. And so that's been coming coming to mind and coming to the fore for you recently? All right. Yeah. I'm watching out for it. Yeah. And seeking to um, let go of some of that. Yeah. So, George, is there anything in particular uh, that you've been encouraged by in, in your Christian walk uh, recently? A couple of things. When we moved to where we live now you know, five years ago, uh, God in some un- you know, surprising ways gave us some new friends. Well, we had prayed for that. We said, we'd like to meet people. We, we need friends here in this uh, community, and we want to serve you here in this community. So we have encountered uh, three couples in particular who need him, mm. uh, are great people, and uh, a couple of them especially have become really great friends that we, we witness to in not necessarily a Bible-pounding way, sure. but uh, in our lives. For example, um, we just lost a granddaughter mm. who had been a drug addict for 15 or t- years or more. Mm. And um, in telling them about that and the way they saw us cope with it, they 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 said things like, oh, "I'm sure your faith helps you." Mm. So that opens a door yeah. for further discussions. Um, actually, a year or so ago, we picked up some little booklets on um, heaven. Mm. There's a great book uh, called Heaven uh, by Randy Alcorn. Yeah, that is a very it, it's a heavy book. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's thick and full of footnotes and everything. Very good. But there's also a condensation of it in a little pamphlet that's 60 pages long. Oh, okay. That touches on only a few things. We bought a box of those and gave them out to people. Mm. So all of these friends have had this book on heaven. Nice. And uh, we had some conversations around it with with one couple especially. Yeah. And even for, for me, having relationships around the neighborhood where I live too, people will, they, like, they know what I do for a living, so it's sort of unavoidable. <laughs> we're right. we're going to talk about the gospel, um, but there for even even those who are just sort of moderately interested in in religion in general, they, it's usually for um, practical purposes. Like it might be helpful to you. I'm sure you're helped by it. It's almost like yes. I'm sure it's great for you. But then you have to sort of get into it. Well, well it's not just helpful and useful, <laughs> it, it, and it wouldn't be useful unless it was true. It gives you a relationship with the Creator God. Right. Yeah. And it's it's more than just being uh, a, a soft pillow to lay your head on. It's it's an objective truth to to base your life on. So it's great to be able to have those opportunities to to witness. And I'm encouraged to to hear how uh, even in your retirement, you're actually getting more opportunities to do that. Right. And the other thing is that we have seen increasing evidence of God meeting His promise to meet all meet all our needs. Mm. And the, the, in a way that uh, wouldn't have thought of before I went there. Mm. Of course, in that in that age group, we see a lot of people passing on too. Mm. 
I mean, that's, that's where you come to finish your life. But we're happy there, and we thank God that he led us into that situation. Yeah. yeah. Can, I Can I ask how, what is your age right now? 86. 86. The sharpest 86-year-old that I know. It's been a pleasure working with you on the Elder Board and uh, love the way that you're detail-oriented and how you... And I've only known you, I guess, since... I guess since i gotten to work with you on the Elder Board since you've gotten nicer, like Ruth said. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's been a real privilege, real joy. And uh, I appreciate the way that you are analytical and that you love people and that you genuinely serve out of a place of... Um, a desire to please your Savior. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thanks for taking some time with us here uh, this morning, George. Always a pleasure talking to you, Mal. <laughs>